Welcome to Mimesis, the podcast about all the twisted ways that art and life imitate each other. I'm Stacey Rourke. And I'm Sandra Sheriff Zachary. And we're your hosts on this zany adventure. It's been an adventure this morning. <laughs> I'm still here, right? <laughs> we're both here. <laughs> oh. oh, man. We have been trying to, it's been, what, 40 minutes we've been trying yeah. to, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Internet connections, kicking people off. Yeah, I lost my second monitor. Um, we tried to hit record and I vanished from existence all of a sudden. Yeah. So that was yeah. fun. We were both in the system at the same time and we couldn't see each other. <laughs> we were in different places. Yeah. I'm here. Where are you? I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> where are you? <laughs> I don't know where I am, but we're here and yeah. we made it. We're here. Yeah. Hopefully we don't get kicked out. Hopefully not. So we are, I have to say, and I don't know if she listens to the podcast or not, but Jenny Zimmerman, who is a reader and a reviewer, she, Jenny, if you're listening, you are the reason I have anxiety right now because bless her heart, she's been doing a once upon a book countdown every day <laughs> and tagging me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh God. Okay. Cause I'm excited, but there's yeah. still so much that has to be done. So yeah. yes, we are 27 days away from once upon a book right now. Yes, when I put up the countdown on the website, you were like, I don't need to see that. And I was like, then just don't go to the website. <laughs> yeah, but now the countdown has come to me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So we are, we're 27 days away. We will be there with Mimesis merchandise yes, and goodies. And I will be selling my books and tons of other authors will be selling their books. Tickets that have... For those that don't know, like the layout of Once Upon a Book, on Friday, we do panel discussions, we have a couple keynote speakers, and then that night, we do a catered dinner and awards show. And then all day Saturday, which will be July 15th, is a author signing. We have over, oh my goodness, we have over 70 authors attending. Yep. Uh, Every genre you could possibly want will be there and represented, but everything is very family friendly. We, We do insist on that. Tickets that have meal options with them are no longer available because we had to give final numbers to um, the caterers. But tickets to the um, VIP and general admission tickets are what's still available. So you can still go to the panel discussions, you can still go to the keynotes, and you can still come to the author signing. So if you want to come see us, you can go to Once Upon a Book authors... Hold on. I got to get the actual email out just a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Once Upon a Book... Author author signing at gmail.com. Gmail. Yes. And you, that's the email. Can, no, that's the email. Oh, no. my God. <laughs> what, the, are you trying to say the website? I am. <laughs> Once upon a book, author signing. Dot com. Is it? Dot com. It's dot com. Oh <laughs> wow. We're, great things are happening. Yes. Once upon a book, author signing dot com. That's what it is. Wow, it's been a morning. <laughs> it's a morning. Yes. So you can come see us there. <laughs> come see the shit show in person. <laughs> in person. <laughs> and my lovely niece has agreed to fly down here and drive up with me to Michigan again, which I appreciate so much. Again. Again. Yeah. Again. 
It's so much fun. I love it. It is. And we get we get concentrated time together in the car and Yeah. Cuz we don't get to see each other since you moved away. Yeah. I I know. And it's it's two full days that we get to hang out together and Yeah. If you wouldn't have rescued me, I would have had to do that entire drive by myself. So I really appreciate it. Yes. Oh, we need to say thank you to my husband. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Scott. <laughs> I know that, yeah, he's making a big sacrifice there because it was a, it was a very family camping weekend that he now gets to do with two kids and just him. So thank you, Scott. We love you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. So anything else we need to cover? Well, when you find a plane ticket that's only a hundred dollars, like, okay, sold. Yeah. Like the first time you asked me, the plane tickets were a hundred and fifty five dollars. That's fifty five dollars yeah. cheaper. <laughs> exactly. And it works perfectly because we're we're renting um a, a minivan to drive up and yeah. I'm picking up the minivan from the same air- airport I have to get you from. So the same I'm day? just gonna Yeah. <laughs> that works out perfect. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm just gonna drive to the airport. I'm gonna go get the rental car and one of us will drive my car and one of us will drive the rental car back home and we'll get Perfect. stuff loaded up. Yeah. Yeah. It works out great. Yes, it does. Yeah. So yes, I appreciate I appreciate all the Fizzackerlies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. So I guess we should get to like podcast stuff, huh? Yeah. What are you doing today? Because I don't even know. You didn't tell I me. Know. I know. We are going to do the uh, true crime case of Jody Arias. And the, the comparison here is going to be there was a Lifetime movie made about this case. So we are going to kind of compare what actually happened to the Lifetime movie. And what I, I'm like blanking. I, the name sounds so familiar. Jody like Arias. Blanking. Yes. Well, and see, I didn't know a whole lot about this case beforehand. And then I heard a podcast about her. And then I watched the movie. And then I watched a three part documentary. But then I decided I was going to do this episode. So I had to listen and watch all of that again. And mm-hmm. I can say with absolute confidence, I fucking hate this woman. <laughs> She's the worst kind of female that legit thought that because she was pretty and she could flirt, she could get her way out of doing something completely Uh, atrocious yeah she's one of those so okay yeah we're gonna talk about her i will say beforehand if you don't want to watch the documentary and you're like a movie sounds much more appealing the lifetime movie was very accurate like i don't there's a couple things that they may have changed a little bit but for the most part it was really accurate so if you want to watch that it'll give you a pretty good idea of what happened here okay okay so we are going to get started and we're going to start on june 9th of 2008 a woman by the name of mimi hall was supposed to be going to cancun with her friend travis alexander and they're both very uh how how do you say it devout they're both devout mormons which means absolutely no premarital sex Nothing like that. And Mimi had told Travis that all she wanted was a friendship with him. She wasn't interested in anything more. And Travis was okay with it. He was like, that's fine. We'll still go to Cancun together. So they were planning on it. Again, this was June 9th. And the the, the trip is getting close. 
and Mimi hasn't heard from Travis. And she's texting him. She's calling him. Nothing. So she's like talking to his friends. And she's like, you guys know what's going on with Travis? And they're like, no, we haven't heard from him at all. Uh, nobody had. Like he had gone completely radio silent. And this is a man who was in okay. like a sales position type job. So he's always on his phone. Right. So for him to sun- suddenly vanish, like that's weird. So Mimi decides to go to his house knock on the door. She can see inside that his dog is there, but there's no answer. And he has roommates as well, but they they didn't come to the door either. So she calls some of Travis's friends over. And again, they're trying to knock on the door. Nothing's happening. Well, one of them knew the code to his garage door. So they use the the code and they go inside and they notice kind of a funny odor in the house. Oh, They go up there. Yeah, uh, the door, the master, this house is like a huge five bedroom home because Travis, he had a good job. He still had a couple roommates that lived with him, but it's a big ass house. Well, he has yeah. the master suite, the, the ensuite is his and okay. the door to it was, was locked. So they are knocking on some of the other doors. Well, it turns out one of Travis's roommates was home, but he was in his room and he was listening to a movie really loud. So he didn't hear. He didn't hear them knocking. And they were like, hey, where's where's Travis? And his roommate's like, I thought he was in Cancun. I haven't seen him in days. I thought he had already left oh, for shit. Cancun. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're like, no, no, he's he's not. So the roommate has a key to his room. So he goes in there. And as soon as he unlocks the door and opens it, they can see there's blood everywhere, everywhere, like handprints and smears on the wall a huge blood puddle in the middle of the bedroom that looks like a body was dragged they go into the bathroom and again just blood everywhere and they find travis naked dead in the shower immediately they, they call the cops and get the cops there the two that kind of head up this whole case are detective esteban flores and Deputy Attorney Juan Martinez. And they both come out to the scene. While they're there, they find a 25 caliber shell casing. They find hair. They find fingerprints. There's no signs of forced entry. So whoever this was, was basically let into the house. Yes. Yeah. Now, they immediately turn to the two roommates because they're like, obviously, you guys have access. And there's been a dead body in here for days. Days. And you didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> the two of them. I don't know if this is gross or like <laughs> authentic, but they were like, we're three bachelors living alone. Food gets left in the sink. The garbage gets, you know, we forget to take the garbage out. Like gross smells are just kind of a a way of life for us. <laughs> gross, guys. <laughs> yeah. Ew. Ew. But anyways, they they find that the the alibis for the roommates check out. Like they were never considered. They all that they were considered is, you know, kinda dumb for there being a dead body and nobody like (laughs) yeah, y'all are kinda gross. Well, as they're investigating the house, they look inside the washing machine and the bed had been stripped and the the sheets and the blankets had been thrown in the washing machine. Like somebody was trying to 
maybe hide some DNA that was on the bed. Yeah. Well, in the washing machine, there was also a digital camera that had been thrown in the washing machine. Dumbass. Yeah. Now, the camera itself was ruined. Right. But there's a memory chip inside of it. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So they took that to the station and immediately put people to work on trying to get whatever they could off of this memory card. Yeah. Well, as all of this is going on, a woman by the name of Jody Arias calls the detectives and, you know, is inquiring as to what happened. And she tells, she tells the detective that her and Travis dated on and off from, uh, like 2007 they dated on and off and they that she had broke up with him but you know they were still friends and she still cared about him and you know if she could help with the case in any way what reach out to her people yeah <laughs> yeah oh she gets so much worse so the detectives are like okay great that's thanks for reaching out we'll 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 get in touch if we need to so eight days after the death Travis's friends are brought in and, you know, just questioned about him and his lifestyle. And his friends were asked, who do you think could have done this? Every single one of them, said Jody Arias. Everyone. Oh, shit. (laughs) How fucking toxic does your relationship have to be that when you're murdered, everybody that knows who you were dating was like, that bitch did it. Yeah. Yeah. So, backing up here a little bit, let's tell you a little bit more about Travis and Jody. Like I said, Travis now lived, or at the time of his death, he lived in a big house. He drove a nice car. He had a good career. But his upbringing was atrocious. Both okay. of his parents were drug addicts. They were very, very violent. He was a small child who was malnourished. You know, his medical needs were not being met. Like, he he had it rough. Yeah. He was taken away from his parents while he was still elementary school age, him and his um, siblings were. And they moved into his grandmother's house, who was then the one that raised him and got him on the right track. And grandma was a devout Mormon. And she introduced the, the children to this religion. And Travis, apparently in the Mormon religion, you reach a certain age, I think it's like 18, where you can like start going on missions. And you basically decide if you're gonna embrace the faith or not okay yes and he did he was all in and uh that was it that's that's the life that he wanted and that was that was the faith that he believed in so he was devout in his religion and as an adult he went to work at a a place called prepaid legal services which is basically the business version of a pyramid scheme like you have more okay. people that sign it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's that kind of thing. But he was killing it at it. Like he was doing motivational speeches and his speeches like riled people up and got them committed to joining the company. He was doing great. He moved to Mesa, Arizona to, you know, continue working with prepaid legal, but he also chose to move there because it has one of the largest Mormon communities in the country. Okay. And his his religion was very important to him. So he moved there. Now, as I said before, the Mormon religion is very no sex until marriage. Yes. Well, our boy Travis was in secret kind of a fuck boy. (laughs) (laughs) 
kind of a fuckboy. Yeah. Like, he... And I'm not saying that, you know, you do you. You yep. you have your faith. You you do you. But he was. He was. He enjoyed the dirty, the dirty stuff. Well, in 2006, PPL was having a weekend retreat in Las Vegas. And it was at that retreat that Travis met Jody Arias for the first time. Okay. She was currently looking for basically the next, like what to do with her life. She was, you know, she'd been from job to job and was trying to figure out a new route to take and decided to check this out. people. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Jody, uh, her, her life, she, she seems to have had a good upbringing. You know, her parents had good jobs. They cared for her. Things were good. They did move to a smaller town at one point in her upbringing and she really started acting out after that. So apparently like being in a small town did not fit for her. <laughs> she was also the kind of girl, and you and I know these these type of people very well, where they have to have a boyfriend all the time. They have to go oh, from yeah. one. Yeah. Well, I know so, those people well. Yeah. Well, she was one of them. And the boys that she dated kind of impacted the choices she made. Like at the age of 16... Her parents discovered that she was growing pot in her room. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they were like, no, 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 no. So they, they actually turned her into the cops. They, they turned oh, wow. in. Yeah. They turned it and most parents won't do that shit. Yeah. They were like, if you're going to fuck around, you're going to find out. So they turned her in. And after that, it really affected their relationship. And going forward, Jody refused to confide in them in anything. Uh, she actually ended up moving out before she was 18 so she could go live with her boyfriend because, you know, she wasn't going to have her parents telling her what she could do, what she couldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. Get over yourself, Because princess. there is scientific proof that from the time you turn 13 until 24, your parents are the dumbest pieces of shit on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh-huh. And then once you hit 24, you're like, oh, everything that they said is actually true. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. I tell you what, my kids to this day, they hate admitting when I'm right. They hate it. Uh-huh. They hate it. That's. Mm. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like, I went through a stage <laughs> where I could not admit that you were right. Uh-huh. I know. And now you're like, everything you said is so spot on. <laughs> spot on. I get it now. It was like literally a light switch. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have survived on this planet. Yeah. Okay, so that's a little bit about their background. Now we get to them meeting. And they like sparks flying between the two of them right off the bat. And, you know, the the movie even shows this, that they are all kinds into each other right away. Well, I should mention that at the time that Jody went to Vegas, she had a boyfriend. She had a boyfriend she'd been with for years. Four of them, in fact. Four years she'd been with this guy. Days after meeting Travis, she dumped her boyfriend of four years. Like, (laughs) she was... Okay. She was all in right away. Well, Travis hesitated to start a relationship with her. Like, he was okay with, you know, doing the dirty stuff. But he he was hesitant to start a relationship because she wasn't Mormon. 
Okay. Only two months after dating, after meeting Travis, Jody decides to become Mormon and to have Travis oh, be her sponsor. Yeah, have her, Travis be her sponsor into the religion. Basically, like he was right there next to her at her baptism. Two months after dating. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, by February 2007. Let's say, let's do everything so he can't push us aside. Exactly. I'm going to be everything he needs and wants me to be. Yeah. She wanted to be the the woman he wanted to marry and be with forever. That's She was going to mold herself into that. You're right. Mm-hmm. But, and by February 2007, they made it official that they were dating. And, okay. and they were having all kinds of sex, like kinky sex, kinky sex, these two. these They were into some stuff. All right. Okay. But what Jody didn't realize was the fact that she's doing all sorts of dirty things with Travis was making it more and more likely that she was never going to be Mrs. Alexander because of his religion. Okay. He wanted a pure wife, which is really hypocritical because, dude, you're... <laughs> she just threw herself I... away from her microphone. <laughs> I hate that so much. Yeah. Because you're going to tell me I'm... You change for the person that you like. I'm not yeah. saying like full on religions, you need to do that. But you do change you. They ask you to do something. You're like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then for them to be like, no, we're done because of that. Bitch. Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> it takes two to tango. You were just as willing, if not more, to, to partake in those things. You yeah. can't hold it against her because she did it. But he yeah. did. He did. But just so you know about how this relationship went down. So they're they're living their hypocritical <laughs> life. A little and love story. Relas- <laughs> yeah, their hypocritical love story. Their relationship turned toxic quick, very quick. They were never apart. Now, she's living in California at the time. And he's still living in Arizona. And, you know, they're, they're having these trips together where they, you know, meet and go places. Um, he had a couple of friends that lived kind of at the halfway point and his friends would let them come there and they, they had a room for Travis and a room for Jody because they're Mormon and you're not allowed to, to have sex. But <laughs> of course they were finding a way. Right. Okay. So if they were at a, a party or something together, and he was talking to another female, she would have to insert herself in that and pull him away because she didn't want him. Like everyone had to know they were together and she was his girlfriend. Uh, and in the Lifetime movie, they they show this completely that she does this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so his Don't friends- look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. You know. You know. Well, his friends are starting to notice this mess. And sorry, I needed to drink of my coffee. Um, his friends are starting to notice this mess. And especially the couple who uh, were letting them stay at their house from time to time. They, they want him to know that they're, they're growing increasingly concerned. So they pull Travis into their room and they, they shut the door and they're like, Hey, listen, 
Um, I feel like she's she's eavesdropping on conversations. She's getting increasingly increasingly possessive. I we just we just think you really need to you need to look out for. Her. And Travis is like, "What are you talking about? I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I I don't notice her doing that at all." And in the middle of this, Sky Sky and Chris are the 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 couple. And Sky is like, "I just heard something in the hallway." And he she's like, "I think." I think Jody's out there right now and I think she's listening. And Travis is like, no, she's not doing that. She would not do that. She's no. And he, they're like, go look, man. So he goes over there and like flings open the door and sure as shit, Jody's standing right there, eavesdropping on the entire conversation. <laughs> yeah. Proof. <laughs> exactly. Hello. And she's like, oh, I was just, you know, making sure everything was okay. And he was like, we'll talk about this when we get upstairs. So, yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of how their relationship went. And it was shortly after this when he realizes how possessive she's being. He he breaks up with her. He's he's like, this is this is toxic. I don't want to do this anymore. So he breaks up with her. Yeah. And he starts dating a woman named Katie. Again, they show her in the movie. Well, as he starts dating Katie, Katie starts getting threatening messages sent to her from an anonymous person. She starts having people like knocking on her doors and windows outside her house and then vanishing when she goes out there to look. Well, that's creepy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's so scary. Yeah. <laughs> Travis has his tires slashed repeatedly. Uh, his accounts are accessed. You like, yeah, it's shit's nasty. And, you know, everyone is like, we like, dude, you know, you know who's doing this, right? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's Jody. Well, so they're, they're broke up and Jody's being all kinds of crazy. So what do you do when the guy that you care about breaks up with you or the guy that you're obsessed with breaks up with you and you live in California and he lives in Arizona? You move to his town after they broke no. up. No, no, <laughs> nope, no, no, no. Yeah. Nope. She did. She moved to Mesa. She said it was for a job opportunity, but I think we all know it was she wanted to be closer to him. He objected. You know, like he saw that she was there. He objected to the fact that she was living there. But even though they were broken up, she was, you know, she was still trying to be with him sexually. And he didn't say no. So he's dating Katie. No. Yeah. He's dating Katie, no. who is a sweet, pure Mormon. And he, he really likes her. And he thinks maybe this is like the one. But Jody is coming into his house at night. She's using his garage cl a code. She's going up to his room while he's sleeping. She's stripping na naked and climbing into bed with him. They're having sex. So in her mind, she probably thought we're going to get back together. Because if he's having sex with me, he still has feelings for me, right? No, girl. <laughs> no, no. No, no, no. No. Mm -mm. That's not how that works. But she she was in love with him. And he his was just lust. Like, that's that's all. Right. That's all she was to him was sex by the end. Uh, there was also times, get this, <laughs> he must have changed his garage code or something because at one point, couldn't get in that way. He had a relatively large dog. So she snuck through the dog door to get into his house at night. <laughs> <laughs> Shut 
Shut up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, she sure did. No. No, no. Well, this went on. This went on for a while. And then things between them got toxic enough that Jody decided in 2008 she was going to move back to California and move in with her grandma and grandpa. And Travis was incredibly relieved. In fact, he decided that this was going to be a a fresh start for him to get good with the church again, get in good standing with them. And he was going to, he was going to turn things around for himself. He was going to stop being a fuck boy. He was going to, but then we know that, you know, in June of 2008 is when Travis was killed. So where was Jody at the time of his death? Well, according to her, she was on a road trip alone. She claimed she left her grandparents' house June 22nd, or excuse me, June 2nd, to go visit a guy she was seeing in Salt Lake City, Utah. She arrived there June 5th at the guy's house, which is the day after Travis was killed. Okay. Ryan Burr is the name of the guy that she was dating. And he told detectives that when she showed up at his house, when they first started dating, she was a blonde. When she showed up at his house, her hair was now, she was a brunette, her hair was dark, and she had cuts all over her hand, excuse me, which she claimed the cuts were from bartending. No. Girl. (laughs) No. What the hell are you doing bartending that you have that many cuts all over your hands? Right. Yeah. So at first, you know, now we're back to Travis's death, and it First, nothing directly places Jody at the scene, okay? Until they get the results of that memory card back. On the memory card are naked photos of Jody and Travis time-stamped the same night he died. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And there's more. There are pictures of Travis naked in the same shower he was found in. And there's one photo, yes, of Travis face down, covered in blood, and Jody's standing, Jody's legs standing beside his slumped body. Like, it's almost like if you dropped the camera and when it hit the ground, it took a picture because you can see her pant leg and her foot and his body. Yeah. Okay. So on July 15th, Detective Flores brings Jody in for questioning. And he asks her about her alibi. She c- claims that she she took like this one route and that the trip took her 48 hours. He points out that if that was the case, if that's the route that she claimed she took, she had an 18 hour window unaccounted for, which would have given her plenty of time to go to Mesa, kill Travis and still make it back to Mesa at the time that she did. Yeah. Well, she swears she wasn't there. No, no, no. I, I wasn't there. I didn't. I didn't go there. I wasn't there. No. And he's like, your your blood from those cuts on your hand. It's at the scene. We have your blood at the scene. We have strands of your hair at the scene. Your palm print at the scene. And the pictures. Hello, the pictures. She's like, no. Right. None of that. That's that's not the case. Well, my hair is probably there because. You know, I've I've been to Travis's house, so my hair would be there, of course. And he's like, what What about the pictures? And she's like, well, let me tell you, timestamps can be altered. So 
yeah, those pictures look like me, but I wasn't there. It's not me. <laughs> and I need you to keep in mind, okay, that this girl, as she's, she's, she's pretty. And as he's questing her, she's like leaning over the table, leaning in, like she's being flirty with this guy the whole time. Like, I'm going to show you my boobs. Yeah, that's the kind of girl she is. He shows her the picture of her foot by Travis's body. He's like, that's your foot. Those are your pants. That's Travis dead right there. So instead of like admitting it, she does the weepy crying (laughs) thing and still won't fess up. Yeah. But they, I mean, they have all this information. So Flores is like, okay, well, we're going to, yeah, we're going to read you your rights and we're going to place you under arrest. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) To which she says, she knows, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, in the interrogation room, there's actual footage of this. Okay. So if you watch the documentary for no other reason, watch it for this. She's in the interrogation room. She's being questioned in a homicide, a brutal homicide. Okay. Travis was shot in the head. And he was stabbed like 28 times. All right. So this is a brutal crime scene. So what does she do in the interrogation when she's left alone for a minute? At one point, she goes over to one of the walls and she does a handstand for a minute. (laughs) As one does when you're in an interrogation room and be questioned for homicide. Then she starts singing, Oh, Holy Night. (laughs) And then at one point, and this, I, I don't even know what the hell she was doing. She's like got one foot up on the chair and she's got her head down and she giggles to herself. And then like to herself, she says, still hate me, brat. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. What? Are you trying to set up an insanity plea? What are you doing? So, um, so she's going to go get booked and photographed for her mugshot. And she asks beforehand, she (laughs) says, um, this is probably going to show me for the kind of superficial person that I am, but can I get cleaned up before my picture? <laughs> and the detective is like, bitch, no, no, you're the way you are right now. You're just going to go get your picture taken like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you're, you're going to get your picture taken the way you're at. But she goes in for her photograph and before they take a picture, she fluffs her hair and she asks the the policeman who's taking the picture, how do I look? And then she does like a little smile before she takes, she gets her mugshot taken. Oh my gosh. Do you see why I hate this woman so badly? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's the worst. Yeah. Okay. So the interrogation is continuing the next day and they decide they're going to bring in a female detective because maybe... Jody will feel more comfortable with the female. Maybe she'll be a little bit more, you know, forthcoming with information. No. Jody would not say one fucking word to this female detective. Nothing. Nothing. No, because it was a woman. She's the worst. The detective finally is like, you know, if you would rather talk to Detective Flores, you can. And she's like, yeah, um... He just, he knows more about Travis's family and what's going on there. So I'd really feel more comfortable talking to him. You know, he's, he's man and she thinks she can flirt her way out of this. So. Right. The female leaves. Flores tries a new approach and he's, he's just asking like straightforward questions. He's not saying, were you there? Because he knows she was. So now he's saying, what did you do while you were there? 
Um, did he know you were coming? Stuff like that. She admits to showing up to the house at three, three o'clock in the morning that they went to bed and they woke up the next yeah. afternoon and had sex. Then <laughs> she goes for this Hail Mary approach to the entire thing and says that while she was there, a man and a woman in ski masks rushed in. They shot Travis. She hid in the closet. They found her in there. The guy took her wallet and pulled out her car registration and said, you're the bitch from California. And the woman wanted to kill her, but the man spared her. And he told her to get in her car and drive away and don't tell anyone what you saw or we'll kill you and your family. And they let her go and she just drove away and didn't say anything to anybody. So she's trying to blame it that somebody else did this. Yes. Okay. So um, <laughs> Detective Flores hears this whole story and he's like, well, that's, that's pure fucking horseshit. <laughs> that didn't happen. Not one bit of it. He's like, you want to, you want to try this again? But no, she, she buckled down on that story and she's like, that's what happened. Right. She even did press conferences in jail where she reiterated this story all the while coming off as this pre pretty sweet soft-spoken girl that was trying to fucking flirt her way out of the death penalty <laughs> well then her attorney comes onto the case and her attorney has the best name on the planet are you ready for this his name is kurt nermy <laughs> that might be the best name ever. Yeah, Kurt and Ernie. I heard that name and it made me think of Bert and Ernie. <laughs> See, I thought like Kermit the Frog. Yeah, Kurt and Ernie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all of that. It sounds like a cartoon character name or a Muppet. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a it's Muppet. Fantastic. Yes. Now we are closing in on Jody's trial, but. We are actually going to pause here. We're going to cut this into a two-part episode. Because like we said yes. at the beginning of this episode, we have had nothing but te technical difficulties. So we're going to cut it here. Any better. <laughs> no, it's getting worse. Um, <laughs> so we're going to cut it here and we will do the second half with her trial next week. Yes. Okay. Um, so we have that to look forward to. We also have, uh, we've mentioned it before, our tip jar. If you are an avid listener and want to help us out, help us grow the podcast, we have our tip jar. You can make any kind of monetary donation to uh, the podcast that you want. There's no obligations to do it ever again. You can do it a one-time thing. Um, yep. Or if you don't want to do that, you can also review and uh, help us continue to Just keep to listening. Yes. Exactly. Continue yeah. listening and review and share uh, our podcast with your friends. Uh, Sandra, what is the link to our? It's mimesis.captivate.fm slash support. Perfect. All right. So that is all we have time for for today. Yes. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Mimesis. If you enjoy this podcast, by all means, tell your friends about us and 
give us a review on whatever platform you listen on. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks.